You're listening to the AFL Unlimited podcast, where we tackle all the hot topics in the AFL and bring you up to speed with everything you need to know in the football landscape. We'll take a look at this weekend's games and have some mixed discussion about what to expect. Let's head up to the box for the opening bounce. It was a week of consolidation as the Bombers, Pies and Giants all take a much-needed step to help them make the eight. Gold Coast break their recent late-season hoodoo as the Roos sink to a new low. And the Ds do their bit to keep their pursuers out of the eight, but should they have won? We'll talk all that and more in this app of AFL Unlimited. How are we going, fellas? Really good, good mate. mate. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. Very really impressed you to... slip up on consolidation. Yeah, I got that one very wrong in the pre-match warm-up and I was very nervous about it, but it's very good to have you all here today. A big round as we head back into the footy frenzy part Dwa. What have we got on the agenda today? Yeah, it's pretty exciting, isn't it? Um, something that was maybe it was roughly coming out around the time of our last pod, but the State League overhaul. So the AFL gave a bit of an early announcement as to what they're doing, planning on basically scrapping the NEFL and um, bringing a few of those teams over into the Victorian Football League. So obviously the Swan seconds and the Giant seconds and Brizzy seconds, et cetera, coming along into the to Vic comp and almost bringing out a, a seconds in a way between those teams. Um, pretty interesting. And then apparently it caught off a few of the independent teams off guard. They had no idea that it was going to happen. Um, and they only heard from the press release. So the Canberra demons and stuff were like, Oh, cheers. <laughs> like, What's going on? Well, what do you think guys? Do you think this is an interesting concept? What do you think they're trying to work towards with this? Yeah, I love it. I think probably a bit of an Eastern Coast Football League or something like that it could be called. But, yeah, I like it. I think probably the NEFL has been pretty weak for a long time and I feel as if the VFL comp is so strong, Waffle's strong, Sample is strong, but probably some of those northern sides, maybe when you're not in the ones, you might not get as good of an opportunity to play against quality players and therefore develop. So I think that's probably the thinking and just sort of aligning it all together, I, I would imagine at some point they'd love to have a full reserves competition with every club and just align the whole thing. But we'll see how we go because the Waffle and Sample have a fair bit of history going on. But no, I, I like it. I think uh, it would definitely help the development in terms of some of those northern sides and players who might not be in the in the top tier. So, yeah, I like it. It's certainly better than seeing, you know, Jared Polak pull on a Collingwood Guernsey and mucking around on, on Collingwood's team in this sort of like 12 or 14 on 14 sort of mixed, uh, you know, practice matches that we have been seeing to keep the uh, the seconds players sort of going. But it's a pretty big move uh, for next year. Hopefully it doesn't last for long, but certainly something that's obviously been a result from this year and, you know, just to keep the, the legs ticking over and, get the comps back to the position where they can, you know, their, their, their role is to help the, the seniors team um, develop their players. And obviously there's just some players that run around in the uh, development leagues as well. So interesting tears. Yeah, mate. Uh, no real thoughts on this one from, from my answer. I love, oh, I love that comment. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought it would be a very, I would have thought it'd be, it wouldn't be a cheap exercise. They're now going to be flying Mm. two's teams back and forth across the state just to play in the VFL and stuff like that. It's a bit bit interesting and it makes you wonder if this is what they're going to go towards, why did they scrap 
the reserves competition way back when they did originally because mm. it seems like they're kind of admitting that they were wrong to do that back in the day. I'd imagine it was financial initially, but I, yeah, I'm not sure if it was right or wrong, but I think it would be good in terms of the standard and, and providing a bit more equality. Um, but it's a good point you raised, Chuck, in terms of you're basically doubling the amount of players that you're flying around, I guess. You you would probably imagine that it'd be a bit like in your local footy when, you know, the ones are playing here and so are the two. So we all jump in the same bus. I, mm. I don't know how that, uh, whether it changes it out, dramatically, yeah. but... I think I think it could be good. I, I've, there's long been talk of this, but um, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll throw on to the next topic, but just before there was an interesting um, piece that I'd noted from that same story was that I think I read that teams could choose to either stand with their own club, have an affiliate with one club, or they could have their players spread across other clubs which would be a very interesting thing to try and monitor if you've got a bunch of players playing in different reserves teams. I, I don't know how that would really work. Yeah, I, I heard that too. And I've got no idea how that or some of those options would work. I think it's clearly been proven that the best way to go about it is to have all your players playing in one seconds comp. Like You, you see teams that have that advantage from like say Geelong, which we referenced a little bit, you've got the ones and then the VFL side, they're, they're all under the same system, the coaches meeting in the same room throughout the week. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work, spreading them around. I, I couldn't see that going awfully well. But yeah, I think over the journey, it's definitely the best way for success is to have just an aligned game plan and, and learn it and, and be under the same sort of coaching philosophies in the twos and then it transfers to the ones. But yeah, I heard that too, and it sort of perked my interest. Some alternative options there. Yeah, definitely. The only real benefit I could probably see from that one is potentially if you have two second pedigree ruckmen or two second pedigree um, key forwards, you can't play them both in the same team playing the one big role. So maybe it gives yeah, true. one of those guys a chance to be the key forward at another club and hit the another one gets to be the key forward at this club rather than playing 50% different sort of roles is the only thing that I can think of. But um, I'll kick on to the next thing, talking about reverting. We were saying you might be reverting back to having a seconds. There was brought up in the media reverting back to longer quarters for the final series. I'm personally on the side that I think that's a terrible idea in that it completely changes a lot of the game strategy and plans that the people who've had success this year it could completely change what could happen. So what are you guys thinking of that? Well, uh, the, the most recent example of that, Chucky D, is last night uh, we were sort of having a laugh that the A-League Grand Final was on Melbourne City versus Sydney FC. And they, the A-League, made the decision to bring back the VAR system, which I believe is a goal review technology, which they didn't have in the uh, COVID home and away season. Um, and Melbourne City actually scored a goal first, which was overturned on VAR. So a goal has been taken away from Melbourne City in the grand final, which wouldn't have been overturned in the home and away season. And I can't think of a more perfect example of why you should just keep things the same as they were in the home and away season. 
that's pretty much my point. Very good, um, I suppose, case study there, Lang. So changing the, the goalpost, so to speak, it, I, I'm also the believer that, yeah, you wouldn't want to muck around with it too much, especially if players have been training in a certain way to condition their bodies right. Yeah, condition for those, you know, 16-minute quarters. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, in a perfect world, we'd like that, but it's too much of a change, I think, yeah, for clubs to... I suppose, have to adjust to. And whilst we as fans would love it, a little bit more time, especially in the finals, I think, yeah, the possibility for injury and just not having it consistent throughout the season into the finals would just be, yeah, a bridge too far, I think. So I definitely don't think it's a great idea to change it to longer quarters. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, you don't, in a tennis grand slam, you don't play the first four rounds for three sets and then have a best of five when you hit the quarters and the semis and the finals do you so I, I don't see any point in changing it but yeah interesting on the soccer lang is i didn't realize that but um imagine it was even on was, in the first place yeah <laughs> imagine if we if they didn't have the uh the virtual review there and and the goal counted and maybe we had the an incorrect winner you know there's, there's probably yeah. controversy uh controversy <laughs> <laughs> well, either think, way think about it like uh, let, for example like uh, we might talk about this later but obviously st kilda yeah. melbourne game they didn't have goal line technology there so imagine mm. if you know you know it sort of happened before but you know tom hawkins in 2009 grand final kicks a goal and it hits the post um and clearly hits the post and there was no goal review back then but imagine if this year they just didn't have goal review technology and you know someone hit the post and lost by five points in the grand final it's it's just you can only presume it's a money thing you could only presume i mean like in tennis hawkeye isn't on every court so i I don't know What, what do you reckon do you think it's a financial thing or I'd say it's financial. Yeah, that makes the most sense is that they probably just couldn't afford to have the review system set up and paying people to look at it all for every single A-League game. It, they're just trying to cut, cut, cuts. Yeah, cut costs. I think everyone's slipping while talking. And, and in the footy as well, like Melbourne St Kilda, do you think it's a an oversight or do you think... Well, apparently it's up well? to the broadcaster to, to pay for that. So they're probably just cutting okay. corners and cutting costs. And it was a Channel 7, so come on, Bruce. Um, yeah, I think I think it is up to the broadcaster to implement those cameras because the ARC doesn't uh, doesn't have the facilities to put the cameras there. They only use what facilities the broadcaster is using. So really, it's a Channel Seven or a Foxtel thing. But surely the mm. AFL just goes like put cameras at every ground. Yeah, yeah. So well, they, they have done that. They have, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll move on to the the uh, the next story. Chuck, what do you got? Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of uh, cutting costs and, and trying to save where we can, uh, North Melbourne obviously offered to have West Coast buy the rights to a home game. Now, the AFL has come in and completely denied that, which I think is the rightful choice there. Um, but what do, we, what do we think of that, boys, of the, the option that that was actually thrown up to try and to get it? Laughable. I just think it's... Yeah, there's 16 other clubs that are going. Why are we giving West Coast another home game to potentially qualify for a, you know, what if what if they're fifth, or what if what if they're third, for example, or or six, and they win the game and they go up to to second or fifth, and then they get a home final, and then all of a sudden Geelong or someone's playing West Coast at a home final, you'd be you'd be fuming. 
I think that's a bit of an admittance to um, the Eagles and their reliance on their home ground. Obviously, we know they're uh, probably a four-goal better side over in the West and probably similar to Geelong. At least this year, we've shown that we've been able to win away from the bubble in GMHBA where media claims that we can only beat poor sides there and that's why we're up on the ladder. But uh, we've proven that doubt is wrong this year on that front. But, um, yeah, look, very, very sneaky. And North aren't terribly financially um, off. I, I think they're on a reasonable front on that note. So They did lose a lot why... not playing in Tassie, Tiz. I think they yeah. said they lost okay. two or three yeah. mil from not playing in Tassie. So they're obviously desperate for some funds, but still that don't just a lot of coin. hand West Coast a home final. Thanks. Yeah, more. I think potentially <laughs> there were three or four games in Tassie they'd normally have, and they get like 750K for each game potentially. So they're somewhere in the wallet to try and get some money back with that. Mm. Um, okay. I, Imagine I, the... I was just going to so, say, uh, I mean, imagine the precedence it would set, you know, if, if that was let through, you know, towards the end of years, you just go, oh, we're not going to make the finals. We're struggling a bit. We're playing a decent side. Uh, you know, let's just sell a couple of games, you know, try mm. and make a bit of coin. You know, it's not a great precedence it's to nuts. set, even it's though nuts. it's a unique yeah. circumstance in that. It, but, yeah. It's almost blatant cheating, really. It's acknowledging, yeah. like, do they think they're going to win against West Coast in West Coast? Are they almost going... West, they're, they're like what are they like second last on the ladder they and playing are a team that, last that's on the ladder, yeah. playing a team that's fighting for one but to get as high as possible on the ladder. Mm. It's pretty much saying you give us some money and we'll let you win the game. Pretty much, yep. is that's how I see it. Ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's just I can't see that happening. There's some great mm. uh, talking points there, Chuck. So thank you for bringing us uh, the news. We'll move straight into the games from here. It was a big round, round 14, and uh, Collingwood, North Melbourne started us off. Uh, actually, that was right at the end of round 13, but <laughs> round 14 <laughs> was still pretty big. Uh, Collingwood had North Melbourne, and this is going back a while, but uh, the Pies got the job done by five goals. Yeah, season-saving victory was a three-word pitch for that. They, they really needed that win. If they'd lost that, they'd be in a bit of strife coming up. Um, that's all I could really say for that. It was a pretty important win to get. Yeah, certainly wasn't the greatest game of all time um, based on the, the scoreline. But, uh, yeah, Lang's not did well to being north. But uh, Collingwood um, just had to win. They did uh, far from a pretty game, as I was sort of mentioning. Um, and the Pies reversed their scoring fortunes, uh, kicking six goals in the second half. They normally don't do much after quarter time. So I rested that back. And North dominated out of the centre 13-6 to six and took seven more marks inside 50. But bizarre, but they only got 35 points next to their name. So it's weird. Uh, Luke McDonald uh, continues to have a breakout season. 30 touches, nine marks, which is really good. And Taylor Adams might win the Pies best and fairest. Here's a highlight. Uh, kicking 30, kicking a goal with 31 disposals. And 31 goals in one game. Kicking 31 goals tonight. <laughs> so uh, that was a, it was a big performance um, Yep, from Taylor there. Yeah, he was really good. He's a, he's a good guy. So... <laughs> Essendon, Essendon had Hawthorne and this game was crazy. Uh, Essendon got the chocolates in the end by 16 points, guys. Yeah. Welcome back, Joe. Well, he looked a bit rusty at the beginning there, but didn't he clunk a few at the end and slow a few goals? He's really showing a guy that they need in that forward line. Just that presence alone was really important for him. So, um, yeah, it was it was good to watch. And, gee, Hawthorne, what were they thinking? Yeah, it was one of the crazier games you'll see. Uh, the Hawks are obviously playing with Essendon in the first half and they took in a 36-point lead into half time and generated from their number of the Bombers' turnovers and just sloppy 
play in general. And but then uh, after that, I mean, Essendon, they got a 54-point turnaround from then on and they were exceptional after halftime. Um, the Hawks only got three goals after halftime and the Bombers uh, kicked 11. So they would have been absolutely wrapped with that. And uh, they, yeah, as I was saying, yeah, Essendon just couldn't lose it out of the stoppage. And they were ultra impressive in the same clearances. And I, I was watching when Essendon were going well and like Hawthorne just could not get a ground ball or a clearance to save their lives. Plus 14 in centre clearances, plus 21 in clearances uh, told the story ultimately. And as you were saying, Chook Danaher was nothing short of amazing. Kicked three goals, uh, 10 marks on his return. He, he could have nearly had six, but his presence uh, dragged Essendon over the line. Merritt and McGrath combined for 68 touches and 11 clearances and were exceptional. So, Warpedo, very solid for the Hawks as well. Kick one three from 23 touches in the centre. And just quickly, it was such a shame. Sorry, short to cut you off there, but Chuck and I were talking about how good Hawthorne's kids did look in that first half and, you know, how much of a change, you know, just winning form can make a team look short. Yeah, yeah. What was our discussion with McGrath, Taranto, and the draft one? Who was the other guy? We were ranking McCluggage. Them McCluggage. No. McCluggage. Yeah. McCluggage. I, I right here, right now, yeah. would have McGrath on top. Yep. I reckon. And I know that's. On. I know Taranto's had a little bit of a injury, injury, and he's coming back, but he's been really impressive, and he's probably gone from number three. To number one. Number one. I think he might win the Bombers. Well, I think he actually first. was number one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly right. Rightfully so. Uh, we move over to the absolute heavyweights, Richmond West Coast Eagles. It was the Tigers took by 27 points. Yeah, it was a classic game, but Dusty still special was the highlight. I'm just talking about that goal, that bunanana, as they would say, that he kicked through. I thought that was pretty amazing to see. Um, you know, we talk about he kind of looked like he was slipping a little bit early in the year, but he got back up to racking up disposals. But he's still a highlight machine when he really wants to. He can pull out amazing goals. BT was trying to say he's the only person that could ever kick a goal like that. I, I think everyone can kick a banana BT, but it was still bloody <laughs> impressive to see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, for those fans at home, didn't think Chuck actually liked BT, but when the banana um, <laughs> available heavyweights, as I uh, sort of mentioned, yeah, Richmond came out on top. and They were neck and neck for the first half, but uh, Richmond broke the Eagles in the second half, kicking nine goals to five. Kennedy's injury made West Coast Eagles nights a uh, whole lot more difficult when he had a knee, <laughs> knee to the head in the marking contest. It pretty much went straight to his temple. I, I believe, think they're so. still uh, scraping his brain off Bolter's knee. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> I, I literally do hope he's still alive. Um, Richmond <laughs> always looked to have control and a response to whatever the Eagles threw at them, and uh, they were causing major issues for the Eagles defenders. Tigers trademark pressure once again, proving that they are the team to beat in season 2020 as they strangled the Eagles whenever they had the ball. Um, Tigers kept the West Coast to just 46 marks, which is not their go, and as they are one of the worst ranked sides for ground ball, West Coast. Adam Simpson loves that one. Richmond controlled in the air, 10 contested marks of two. Uh, and I suppose, yeah, looking on to some of the players, Cochin, Martin, Lynch and Hooley all play really well, and Gaff uh, for the Eagles racked up 32. Andrew Gacked, as you like to refer to him as, Tyson. What? What? Yes, absolutely. What do we think, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, do, well, do, gee, do Richmond, were... Richmond scarier? What, what's the deal? Yeah, I mean, there's a round 18 date with Geelong and I'm sort of nervous and sort of excited for it, but I still feel like they're the team to beat. Yeah, I agree. I think they're still the team to beat. I mean, they're the side of the last three years and 
they keep showing that they're systematically the best side. But uh, it'll be a big game, won't it, Geelong Richmond coming Absolutely. up? Absolutely. Speaking of big games, we had the Western Bulldogs and Geelong on the Friday night, and well, we, what a game! What a game it was. Geelong eleven points, Joe. Yeah, slow and steady. Dot, dot, dot. Slow and steady wins the race. We know what happened there. The dogs started out real hard, real fast. The cats looked like they were a mess, but we've heard the coach's story. Basically, kick a few every quarter. It's all we need to get it back and chip away, and that's what they did. They chipped away, and they got there in the end. That's exactly what Scotty said. He said this isn't going to be fixed up in 10 minutes. So one of the games of the year. It's, uh, it was a sensational game Exciting, to watch on yeah. neutral fans. Would have loved it as, as well as Cats fans, Dogs fans, not, not so. Uh, they blew the Cats out of the water, leading by 36 a quarter time as a result of midfield dominance and speed on the game and denying Cats their marking game. And Geelong were brilliant and tough around the ball and applied immense pressure on the Western Bulldogs, which generated turnovers and we cashed in. But uh, you want to know why we go back into the game and a big reason for that was um, outside of the Cats' pressure, the Dogs' ruck stocks, which gave Geelong field position and plenty of good looks up forward from those opportunities. 49 to 13 in the hitouts, Dunkley, McRae going up in the ruck. Just, they just got found out big time and that was a massive reason why we got back in the game. They lost focus. Uh, Hunter was outstanding for the Bulldogs, seeking to goal, 27 touches and eight marks, so he, he had it on a string. But it was Dangerfield's magic, oh. Stewart's intercept and running dash, Hawkins finishing, and to his courage, they got the Cats over the line. Yeah, I, I had to just put a little point in there, Tiz. I can't believe you didn't mention Gary Rowan there. Um, you talk about <laughs> Tui's courage and toughness, and Rowan and Dalhouse, for me, they were the players, especially in the last quarter, that you know Dalhouse put his head over that ball that set Tui's kick up to Hawkins that put us in front. And um, that's some of the toughest best team football I've seen Geelong play, which which is crazy. And my memory doesn't go back to Geelong as far as your guys probably does. But in recent memory, that's probably one of our best team wins. Everyone just bought in. Every single player on that on that team did their bit, even down to, you know, Jake Coladashny, who I thought was quiet. And then I looked at Mitch Wallace's stats and he'd had six touches for the game and nothing. Yeah, I could have just included every player in their lengths, but uh, yeah, yeah, not, not, to, sometimes not just specifically. But Rowan, Let's Rowan just lose twenty-two. Yeah, Rowan was fantastic, short, and I think that pretty much puts a full stop in the conversation about the uh, Radagalia, Hawkins, Rowan forward line mix, and Rowan's better as a second tall. Yeah, yeah, he thrives as a second man, doesn't he? But uh, was that a record? Our biggest comeback. In the history, equal or second biggest, that? yeah, equal second okay, biggest yeah. from like 1931. So yeah. it goes back a while, and I, I was battled too because Essendon had just come back the day before, and I don't know if you guys thought the same thing, but it's like, oh, there's already been one comeback this week, so it's not going to be us again, great. And then we did. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you raised a good, you raised a good point about the rucks. We mentioned it last week, I believe, on on the pod as well. English, what? What is going on with the dogs? This experiment is clearly not going very well. English needs to be playing, you know, 70, 80% in the ruck and it's just not working for him. <coughs> Sorry, and, boys. Uh, neither's your voice, mate. But, I mean, <laughs> Beveridge, <laughs> Beveridge gave him a massive whack <laughs> in the press conference. Um, Beveridge said that doesn't matter who's in there, they'll lose in the hitouts. And that's... Uh, wow, that's a slap, isn't it? <laughs> slap, isn't it? Why is English in the team then? Like, Chuck, you said this to me in the chat as we were watching. Why is English in the team if he's not playing Ruck? He's not a forward that 
kicks goals. He's only kicked four goals, I think, for the year. Why is he there? Yeah, exactly. It's it's unfavorable, really. I know I've still got him in my super coach team, so it's a bit oh, of a really? letdown. But... Oh, no. sure. I should have got him before he dropped sixty k. So might be yeah, that reminds me of when you let go of Clayton Oliver last year, and then he scored one hundred and seventy five the next hey. week. So, uh, what's the next game we got there, Tizio? <laughs> yeah, we better move. We better move on ASAP. Uh, Port Adelaide had Sydney at Adelaide Oval. This was power getting the job done by twenty six points. Yeah, I had a C Dixon run. A uh, bit of a play of words from an old Steve <laughs> like Dick good. Ray, if anyone knows it. But he did really well. That that goal he kicked was fantastic. I don't know if you guys saw it. Oh, it was an awesome chook. It. it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. I didn't think the big fella could do that sort of move. And he didn't. He actually didn't move that fast. No. No one tackled him. He was turning like a shipping container <laughs> chook, your favourite saying. And he didn't get hey. tackled. Like, I was waiting for him to just get absolutely pounced on and he didn't. Pounded it straight through the middle of that goal. It was crazy to see. <laughs> <laughs> it was a beautiful highlight from um, Charlie and the football world. Uh, it's even more exciting when Charlie Dixon's up and about. Port set up another win to solidify a top spot, uh, taking it away from the Cats with a brilliant eight-goal first half to set themselves up. And uh, power clinical in the stoppages in their fourth half game is elite, so the Swans were up against it once that was the case. Port got the Swans in clearances by 20 and doubled them out of the centre clearance and nine goals from stoppages as well, which was outstanding. Um, so yeah, certainly led Sydney on that front. Sydney controlled the ball, taking 25 more marks, but they weren't able to get value for money. So that lends me to believe that uh, it's a bit of sideways sort of ball, not really doing much with the ball. Lloyd was very good as usual, and he racked up 31 down back. Robbie Gray, Charlie Dixon were back to their brilliant best. Gray had 27, two goals, six tackles five clearances Dixon um, took the five marks and he kicked four goals so really good uh, performance from some of their stars yep <laughs> Sorry, oh, just, just to uh, tack on to that do you, do you think Dixon's the only real contender for uh, Hawkins Coleman here Lynch is thereabouts too Kennedy's just been knocked out and if Charlie keeps kicking bags against a couple of weaker teams towards the end of the season do you reckon he's a chance or yeah, him and Tom Lynch. I yeah. think he could. He has the capabilities to get a hold of an opposition. But I think Hawk, as long as he keeps kicking a couple, I think he should yeah. be okay. So um, yeah. interesting of note, Marshall when he's in the side, Charlie yes. Dixon seems to, uh, according to Matthew Lloyd and Sportsbet yeah. on, on the on the Monday show, they are. Uh, huh. I think twenty goals from eight games when Marshall's in the side, but five games. And without Marshall, I think he's seven goals. So. Yeah, and he did make yep. a good point. Georgiadis is pretty pretty young and probably doesn't have the leash to go up the ground a bit more and just probably stays in the forward line. And Marshall gets up the ground and is that real link man as well and sort of just leaves it for Charlie's circle as opposed to Hawkins Island. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and Georgiadis probably tries to play Charlie Dixon's role a bit. So kind of yeah. like how you get Radigalier and Rowan sort of get a little Absolutely. bit lost when they're yeah. both in the side. Right we on. move on to... Fremantle and the GWS Giants and GWS got the job done nicely by 38 points. Yeah, back from hibernation is what I had to say there. Giants have just seemed to be a bit out of sorts this whole season, to be honest. And um, they put on a show. Fremantle haven't been super or anything that's making them show off, but they haven't been a poor team. They haven't been a team that generally has gotten beaten up on a lot. But um, the Giants definitely put on a fair bit of effort there, led by a few uh, youngsters. And um, 
the usual suspects as well. Yeah, they're very inconsistent, hard to get a read on uh, the Giants in general. But they started the game in style, kicked the first four goals of the game, and they never looked back. Uh, it was a game GWS couldn't afford to lose, and uh, they could give themselves a genuine chance of staying in touch with the race for the finals. And uh, they look a lot more like the Giants we've come to expect, I guess. So the efficiency was on show once again, 14 goals from 46 inside 50s. I think they had 21 scoring shots for 46 inside 50s, so pretty impressive there, nearly 50%. The Giants uh, pressured Freo, outworked him and outclassed him uh, at Freo's home deck. Brayshaw and Mundy were going for the Dockers, and they got 44 and two goals between them. Whitfield had another sensational game with nine marks alongside 31 disposals. Cameron was back to his better self, kicking forward. It's funny when a key forward gets uh, you know, hit at by uh, social media and, and uh, <laughs> the, the AFL media. They, they tend to um, play amazing the next week, So and they say they don't read any newspapers or any articles, but... Um, and we got uh, Jake Riccardi, uh, not not Peter. Uh, we got Jake, <laughs> no relationship. Jake Riccardi right here. No relationship. Uh, had another beast mode game. He kicked four goals, took nine marks, uh, and very impressive performance. Confirmed as the rising star nom for this week. Also, I can't believe you didn't get it last week. And yeah, Noah Anderson has he been nominated yet? I'm pretty sure he has. Yeah, he I, has. I'm pretty sure he got one round four or five. Did really you see that goal out. Anderson kicked? We'll talk about it later. But that goal he kicked. Yeah. From- Oh, my Lord. Him yeah, and um, <laughs> just as good as Raoul and Rankin. Anyway, we'll get on to them. Yeah, good one, Tiz. Thank you very much. We moved to a Saturday night game. We've got uh, Melbourne and St Kilda. It was Melbourne, who have lost a lot of close games, won by three points. Yeah, they did pretty well there. Yep, they've started out kind of poor this year, but another team that this they are per-tracking well late. There's a lovely <laughs> little perfect. That is beautiful. Yeah, That's beautiful, Chuck. Yes, Petrarca is very good. <laughs> Melbourne uh, hit off with a fast start. They kicked four goals to one in the opening term, which ultimately set up the victory in the end. Both sides from halfback were pretty wasteful and turned the ball over at will on a number of occasions. There was a lot of times where uh, they just sort of kicked it to each other. It was a bit of kick-to-kick, um, the old-fashioned way. But Melbourne's defence was super solid, and the Saints' ball use going forward didn't help them out. Um, the Saints, obviously, they kept bombing in long and high, and Melbourne were all over it, so... Uh, we're not getting past those guys. And the Saints obviously had a number of chances uh, late to win the game. But again, they fell short in a tight game. I believe they're one and four from tight finishes. So they've got room for improvement there. And the Saints had nine more centre clearances, 16 more inside 50s. Yet only managed two more scoring shots. And chances gone begging, ultimately, which uh, cost them yeah, a win in the end. Petrarca, you mentioned off the top, Chook kicked four goals on a night where it was tough to kick goals. Like they kicked eight goals and he got just half of them. So four straight for Petrak. And Hill and Steele were really good for the Saints with 27, 26 and a goal, respectively. Steele racking up an amazing season once again. Yeah, indeed. He's been pretty impressive. Uh, that was an interesting stat, Tiz, about the, the Saints not really, you know, winning some of these tight games. You think that towards the end of this, it it might not be looking very well for them. Like, could they potentially miss the eight here um, if they lose a few more of these and some of these up-and-coming teams take over them? Well, you'd hate for them, Chuck, to miss the eight because of a potential blunder on the AFL side with not having this, this goal-line camera. Yeah, that was a ridiculous thing. Surely they need to have these put on all grounds. Just as we said, 
um, early on in the news. That surely, surely. These goals need to be everywhere, all grounds. We don't want to have a bloody bl- blunder like the A-League, do we? No, we oh, certainly gosh. do not. It, 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 you know, it could be... <laughs> I found it funny that Kano was talking on radio today and he said, from where I was sitting, it looked like it was touch. Kane, you were sitting on your couch at home watching it. I don't know how you're sitting right in front of the goals. Volcano, and got a better angle he doesn't make mistakes, mate. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just thought it was interesting. But sure, surely that's just a standardised practice now that we just have every ground should firstly have the same dimensions and secondly have the same facilities. I agree on the camera's dimensions. You're absolutely wrong, Jake. Yeah, fair a enough. Discussion that's, for another day. Absolutely. Good one. Um, I, I suppose <laughs> in theory, Langs, that's great. But um, we're having to pay sports bet. Oh, sports bet uh, needing us, needing to supply the AFL with some coins so we can actually be alive. Uh, but yeah, in theory, that would be great practice. So, Fair enough. Moving on to Carlton v Collingwood. Collingwood, upset. No, they were favourites, so it wasn't even an upset. But it was, it was upsetting. It was very upsetting for me because I tipped the Blues. Uh, the Pies won in the end by 24 points. Stuart. Yeah, unfortunate there. Blues fail challenge. They had a few. They've had a few good wins that have made them look a bit in form, and people thought that maybe they're striving for for finals even potentially. But this was their challenge against the Collingwood, who have been a bit down lately, um, and obviously they didn't come up with the goods at all. Oh. Yeah, well, you're right. They're so annoying because you never tip them and they win when you don't tip them. And when you tip them, they never win. So it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to get on the right track with the Blues. You just don't know where they're at. Uh, their season's done. Uh, done and dusted uh, as the Pies outmuscled. Uh, the Blues in a massive clash at the Gabba. And we've just got a bikey gang just about to murder us through our house. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, so just excuse that while we... Just, um, just quickly, I thought um, Jeremy McGovern was really good. It certainly was disappointing from Carlton who kicked five goals in the second quarter and looked like they were all over it. And then a four-point second half is about as disappointing as you can get. Well, yeah, incredibly disappointing is the word, Lang. So um, with the sides are beaten. That's two words. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, I've had enough of this. Uh, (laughs) Incredibly disappointing loss for Carlton considering the sides have beaten and Collingwood were under man out of form and they they still couldn't win. So, gee, just take something special there for the Blues to win. They were in control, but the Pies stayed at arm's length the entire game and Collingwood's pressure lifted a gear and their midfield dominance was damning as the game went on. They were just getting out of the centre at will. Their defence was impenetrable at times. That's hopefully... and thank, thank you very much. And couldn't, oh my! Well, that, that escalated quickly and couldn't be highlighted further with Carlton being goalless after half time, as you mentioned there, Langs. Thank you very much. Kurno was sold for the Blues. He got 22 goal, nine tackles, but didn't have enough teammates to jump on board. Crisp was brilliant with 25, and his impact was huge. A really even forward line performance for the Pies with multiple majors to Cox, Majacek, and Stevenson and Thomas. I thought, I thought Cox was, has been really good the last couple of weeks, even just with some little tap-ons. And he's obviously quite tall, so he doesn't reach down to get the ball. But with his soccer skills, he actually keeps the ball in front of him with his feet. So I've certainly seen some improved signs from, from Cox. But Tiz, do you think Carlton are out of the finals race now? Yeah, that was my, that was my first point. So yes, uh, I do I believe that. I wasn't, listen, I wasn't listening then. But yeah, I yeah, think they I'll, are done just to reaffirm that. Yep. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you... Yep. A good effort from the Blues. So, I mean, I don't think anyone would have expected them to be making finals, maybe at their best 
in the conversation and that's what they've sort of done. So I think it's been a successful season to date for them. I feel like they've shown a lot of signs and, and some positive youngsters on the rise, but it was definitely a performance the Pies desperately needed. Absolutely spot on. Final game of the round, we had Gold Coast and North Melbourne. Gold Coast, 63-point winners, not good for North. Yeah, um, to bring it back to a point that you'd brought up a bit earlier, Short, uh, rising sun still was my three-word pitch <laughs> question mark because like obviously everyone thought Matty Rao was a shoe-in, then he got injured. People were throwing up Rankin a little bit for a while there before he kind of faded a bit. But you look at Anderson, you look at Lukosius, you look at King, all these guys that are having really solid performances, we might still get a rising star from the Suns yet. Very nice play with the rising sun there, Chook. Just uh, playing a bit of real-world stuff there. Um, both sides desperately needed a win to salvage something out of the season, and it reared its ugly head for North. At Gold Coast Kickstarter, we're probably talking about a 100-point loss for North. Um, that North were nothing short of atrocious, and they didn't register a goal after halfway through the second, so it was just... You just hate to be a North fan right now. Um, Gold Coast defence was brilliant and they sliced up the ruse all around the ground and it was just, yeah, witches' hats, I think, was uh, some words used to describe them. Wow. Gold, Gold Coast plus 16 in clearances and took 11 marks inside, 50 more than North and just showing the quality of ball use by the Suns along with the lack of pressure from the Kangaroos. McDonald was good again for North at 27, but like... Uh, like our good mate, Ed Kerno didn't have many mates to join the party. Sexton was back in some really good form, kicking four goals. And Ainsworth is quite a talent. Hit the scoreboard with one goal, two, and 23 touches and 11 marks. Played a very nice game. But, uh, yeah, North, their only win in the last, I think, 10 or so games against the Crows. So, if that doesn't say anything, I don't, I don't know what does. Are they having just as bad a season as Adelaide? Yes. <laughs> They won two games and they have done literally have been Adelaide and that's about it. They're struggling so much, aren't they, from where they were and where they thought they would be. I think the major difference there is probably Adelaide, I think we all knew they were gonna suck. And they've probably been worse than we thought. Mm. I think most people north or thought North could probably be in the mix. You know, like I said with Carlton before, at least be in the conversation. Um, but it doesn't seem to be. Um, did anyone see Ben King just get the ball about 60 out from his defensive goal and then take two bounces and miss. I was like, that's no, I that didn't see that. Oh, his his we, athleticism <laughs> was scary good, and he seems well, to have the same issue. What oh, was that, Chuck? Sorry, I'll say, was it him or his brother that actually won the sprint last year? I, was think, AFL I think it was ben. ben. Yeah, I think Max was yeah. cooked yeah. at this which that is, stage last year, which is year. amazing to amazing prospect to consider yeah. a guy that tall is faster than half the young yeah. fellas. In the and club. we mentioned it before, short, but you know Noah Anderson's goal, you know, off the outside yeah. of the boot to still kick a drop punt and you know it curved back beautifully. They've, their kids are insane. They've probably got the best crop of young kids in the comp at the moment. Yeah, and. You're right. It certainly was an easy kill, though, wasn't it? I mean, North Melbourne, like Tiz said, they they did resemble something of a witch's hat, that's for sure. So they, they are really struggling. But mm. um, no, you're right. There's a lot to like there for the Suns, and it could see them playing some good footy, certainly in a couple of years. And that sort of leads me to the point, the, uh, the Premiership, lads. I wanted to discuss how much does a flag mean in terms of a career? We know it's what we all play for, but does it define it? Because all the talk at the moment 
is with Buckley sort of taking it on himself to respond to Robbo's article in regards to I'm not defined by my lack of having a premiership and he expanded on that. But I just wanted to uh, discuss that with you lads and we can get a few thoughts on maybe players that careers have been defined by that mark. Absolutely, yeah. Obviously, some uh, controversy with yeah Buckley and uh, Mr. Robbo. So, <laughs> yeah, I think Buckley probably just, yeah, deep deep down, I reckon he doesn't believe that. But obviously, I, I think for, for the club and for his own sort of sanctity, probably those are the right words. And, yeah, I think everyone plays football to win premierships and... Ultimately, if you were to not win one, I think you, you would feel unsuccessful in, it, in, a, in a sense. All, having that said, he's done pretty much all he can do and there's only so much an individual can do in terms of, um, I suppose, trying to solidify a premiership. So Buckley, um, he would have been spewing that he ran away from the Brisbane uh, back in the early 90s to go to the Pies to win a flag and... Ultimately, uh, Brisbane ended up with uh, the three premierships. I think he was with the Bears at the, the, that point in time when they were still called the uh, Brisbane Bears. And, um, yeah, didn't quite... He obviously lost a couple of uh, premierships to the Brisbane Lions, so that would have just hurt even more. And mm. there's so many premiership players or players that haven't won premierships that probably deserve them. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure you guys will discuss them as well. But, um, yeah, that there's plenty of absolute superstars that will forever have that uh, void in their lives and they they've potentially have failed in their own eyes. And, but um, yeah, I think it's down to each individual will see it differently, but ultimately there's, there's always that little, um, yeah, that uh, void you cannot fill. Who are a couple of the big ones for you, Tiz, in your mind? Yeah. Well, I mean, Nick Rewalt says it a lot and it gets brought up a lot with O nine um, and 10 as well, where, yeah, he, he probably didn't have the best days of his life there either. So he'd he'd feel probably even more hurt there that he didn't perform uh, his best football on the you know on the really big stage. And you know Gary Ablett Senior and there's a bunch of other guys which I'm I'm sure you guys will allude to as well. But Gary Ablett Senior, obviously, I think he lost at least three grand finals, uh, potentially four. So 89, 92, 94, 95. So that'd be four grand finals, um, and obviously kicked nine in a losing one in '89. So talk about doing as much as you can to try and win one uh he would and especially a senior son win one you'd you'd be happy for him but ultimately you'd um have a bit of envy there as well yeah you say you'd say that whole Geelong side is probably you know you could argue one of the greatest teams assembled but they just could never get it done even when they were the best team in a season they could just never take that extra step yeah, and it is interesting. Like, obviously, you mentioned some of those, some of those names, Tiz, and it's interesting to think of, you know, the legacy of Nick Rewalt or Matthew Pavlich or Senior or, you know, some of these players oh, we were talking about before. Pav's, you know, Pav's a massive, massive one, but is mm. his legacy tarnished by not winning a premiership? I think no, because he's probably one of the best, if not the best player to come out of WA and the amount of you know, the quality of his career for what he did, the multiple All-Australians in different positions. It's, it's incredible to think of the career he did have. And I don't think, was he even there for, he would have been there for 2013. Um, I'm not I can't recall how exactly he went on that day, but do you think the legacy is tarnished by not winning? Because, you know, Pavlich's resume speaks for itself. I don't think tarnished is 
the word. It's certainly, I think like these premierships being added on to these careers, like we know these players' careers are amazing. I think that premiership perhaps adds on to it rather than takes away from it by not having it. Like take, you mentioned senior, Gary Abbott senior, and often the debate comes down, oh, Carey versus senior. Oh, Carey's got a couple of flags or whatever. To me, that doesn't make a defining difference because I think it's it's more about the team. Like Chuck said, those Geelong sides through the 90s, of course they're not talked about as some of the best because they didn't get it done. But individual players, Tice touched on it, sometimes it's more about getting the opportunity in September and how you played. And like Rewalt and Pavlich maybe didn't have their best grand final days at times where there would be some players like Buckley, like as a senior where you just go, well, what more could have they done as players? You know, they couldn't have done anything more. They just were in a side that didn't get it done. So I don't think it's the all defining factor, but it certainly adds to it. I mean, you win a flag, you become royalty, you know, you're commentating on Fox footy and you're a three-time premiership player, you know, it becomes Mm. part of your resume. So it's definitely, it's what we play for. But um, so I don't think, I don't think Buckley's career would be left feeling empty, but it it would be unfulfilled, but it's not to say it's not a successful career. Um, And there's, you know, I'll let you boys expand a little bit too, but I always find it interesting, say Brian Lake, who, had a great career at the Dogs. And do we speak about him in better terms because he went to the Hawks and won flags? I guess it's hard to know because if he, he could have been loyal to the Dogs and I don't think would have been involved in any flags. Um, so it's always interesting. You know, Goddard tried to do it and, and was unsuccessful. So mm. it's it's hard to predict where the flags are coming from. Just ask Brett Deledio. Mm. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Sorry, Brett. That's one that hurts there. I've done a bit of research just on while we're talking about um, losing grand finals. Matthew Pavlich, three goals, two in the grand final. But Lake somehow ended up with the medal. I'm pretty sure he was matched up on him. So that was that's interesting. How, three goals uh, in a granny's not it. bad, Tiz. That's pretty good effort. Gunston. I feel like we felt Gunston was the man. I'm, yeah, yeah, four four goals. And I picked him to kick four. Yeah. Or, the, or the most goals, something like that. So uh, you, you yeah, mentioned Gunston before, short, like people's careers they're pretty well defined just on, you know, their games and all Australians and stuff. And the premierships are just like an add on to that. And it's, it's interesting to, um, you know, we'll use Patrick Dangerfield is probably the most, the best um, current example of a player who, if his career ended tomorrow, he's like instant, you know, hall of fame sort of status Brown low. He's done it all. He's done all Australian. He's won best and fairest. He's on track for record best and fairest or whatever. Mm. Yeah. But if you add a premiership to that, does that make him just like the best of the best of the best or a, a different comparison to that, like in a different sort of way, Hawkins obviously is, you know, potentially winning the Coleman this year. We were talking about it midweek short, like Hawkins has mm. had a fantastic career, but if you add a Coleman onto that, it's like, wow, he's, yeah. he's like, you know, been one of the, one of the better, um, better yeah, careers yeah. for a full forward. You're right. And I think, the tough bit is we often talk about premierships in defining an individual's career when a Brownlow and a Coleman is an individual award. Yeah. We somehow talk about a premiership medallion, which you've got to have 21 blokes yep. helping you out to get that onto your resume. Yep. So it, it is tough. Yes. It, it does put you into that AFL royalty and it does add on to it, but I probably, when it comes down to it for me, I think it's just about, did you play well in the big games? 
and did you get it done when it mattered? Um, you know, if Dustin Martin played like he did on grand final day, but Richmond don't win, I think we still regard him as an yeah. absolute superstar because he, he got it done when it mattered, but his team, he just couldn't get him over the line. Mm. So it's, it's well, Lenny Hayes is a great I'm, example of that too with his yeah, efforts in the couple of know, finals. Shannon Burns isn't a better player than that Fife, but you know, <laughs> Fife, I think when it's when it's all said and done, Fife hasn't got the opportunity. That's probably what you miss out. You don't so much miss out on the premiership medallion, but you miss that chance to maybe say could he get it done on the absolute big stage? Fife has had a little bit of a taste, but you know, Richo, um so I think we judge players in the biggest games and how they performed. Yeah, you made a really good point about there's 21 other players. So this is something that I look to, I think maybe other people look to, you look to the, the NBA or basketball where you're one of five people on the court and your mm. impact as LeBron James, you, you can carry that entire team to win you know, a, a flag. And that's why they do compare his rings versus... Yeah. you know, Michael Jordan's number of rings saying, you're not that great, you couldn't win that many. Because I think the individual performance has that much more impact in a game where there's only five people on the court and the court's that size. In AFL, like you said, you're one of 22 people on the field and if you're just, you know, you, you can't literally run the entire field and kick a goal every single... You're not kicking it out from full back and running the entire field <laughs> yeah. to kick a goal. Yeah. It, it's not... It's not a, a an individual player's award. And Matthew Pavlich, despite how great he was, as an example, Fremantle were kind of a here and there team for a lot of his career. And he was just the standout for him. So despite the fact that technically he's probably one of the players that could run the entire field because he did play <laughs> full back, half back, midfield <laughs> and full forward, he basically could do everything. Um, that's just, you, you can't do everything for a team. You can't carry them the whole way along. And I don't, I don't think it, it, it diminishes their career in any way. We were talking about danger, obviously. Um, I think, if anything, it would just give him that extra little piece just to, to rise him up a little more. But I don't think yeah. you can use it as a way to say, oh, danger's not that good. He never won a premiership. Oh. I think that's just, it's just an excuse for a, for a naysayer or a hater to bring up something that they don't like about him. Mm. Exact yeah. point. Yeah, regarding, I suppose, yeah, players winning premierships and... And that line of thinking, I, I, it's so annoying when it comes to a discussion of, oh, so-and-so won a flag, so they're a better player. It's like, well, Matt Spanger isn't better than Gary Ablett Senior because he won a premiership medallion. He, <laughs> he was supplied with an amazing sort of uh, system and a lot of, you know, individual talent and very good, um, you know, ex- uh, executors of the ball. So uh, with the Hawks, great team in sort of yeah, the, the mid-2010s. But... Oh, that that part frustrates me as well, but ultimately it it is a comparison that is used because like it is how you play in the big games um, there as a drawing comparisons. But um, yeah, look, it, that part annoys me sometimes when it's like, oh, don't you won one flag, but Hodges is a better player because he won four and he won two. Noel Smith It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's there's it's different weightings for those things too, isn't it? But how do you yeah, think? Right. Um, Nathan Buckley, or what do you think Nathan Buckley would do if he saw Marlon Pickett walking down a dark alleyway one night? Whoa. Just saw Whoa. him in the other yeah. way. And you raised Marlon, Marlon Pickett. <laughs> I was just going to say, good example. He, to us, he, to, or to some of us, to me, for instance, I think he arguably could have won the Norm Smith in that game. Mm. Could you imagine if he had won Premiership, 
Norm Smith and then just had called it quits. He has a 100% yeah. <laughs> yeah. win rate. Does, does that make uh, him the greatest player to ever play the game because he, he won wonder. a grand final and a Norm Smith but never did anything else? That's, that's sort of the points that you raise there. Mm. Yeah, it definitely leaves you wanting more, doesn't it, sometimes? I think I'm sure those superstars look at some of those guys who, yeah, maybe just played 20, 30 games, but the stars aligned and they, they got a flag. Um, I'm sure it hurts them. But uh, I think we all wish that some of those guys, you feel like they almost deserve one, <laughs> like mm. yeah, Lenny Hayes and Rewald, yeah, you know, some types at the moment running around as well. So in conclusion, I think, sorry, Tiz, in conclusion, I think, no, the answer was from all of us. It doesn't define a career, but it's yeah. you know, obviously certainly a cherry on top and that's what we all play for. But um, that was a great discussion to have. Obviously, very topical one because Robbo is probably getting strangled by Bucks on 360 as we speak. So <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, uh, we'll move into the tips to round out this episode. We've got a couple of uh, interesting games with a few teams on the buy as well. So what have you got for us, Tizio 1 million? Yeah, so this will run from Tuesday to Friday. So we'll just do these ones uh, for round 15. Yep. Footy Frenzy's back. So uh, Hawthorne have Adelaide. This one's at Adelaide Oval. Boys, this one's very, very tough. Uh, Adelaide. Pick. If, uh, if Adelaide's going to win a game, it's going to be against the Hawks or, or the uh, Carlton Blues. So I, I'm going to go the Hawks. Just I don't really know why. I've, given a, I've whacked them all year and they haven't been that good. But, yeah, maybe just a touch better than Adelaide. But Adelaide will be very keen for a win. I don't know. Tough one. You know I never tip the Hawks, Ty. So who do you think I'm going to tip? Oh, you're going to go Adelaide, 100%. At the moment, I'm going to go Hawthorne. But oh. I, I am going to go the Hawks. But, yeah, like you said, they're not going to have many chances to get a win, are they? The it Crows? takes a winless team to get a tip for the Hawks out of Shorty. <laughs> yeah. um, interesting to see that the uh, Carlton-Collingwood game brought about the demise of my number one ranking in the AFL Unlimited inaugural tipping season. Yeah, I was going to ask if you were um, when you fell off the throne. Yeah, I just, you know, woke up on the morning and just thought I'd check the tips and I was like, oh, I thought you were about eight behind me, but no, I'm second now. So uh, that's awesome. So I'm tipping Adelaide because I think I said about three weeks ago that the only win Adelaide were going to get was Hawthorne. So I've got to stick to my guns there. (laughs) He lost his lead, so he's decided to give up. (laughs) No, Crows will win. Crows will win. I'm, I'll go for the Hawks. I think they're oh, they're going to win. Like, geez. what else is Adelaide going to do? Adelaide might be going for the first winless season that we've mm-hmm. seen ever. I don't know. Since like 1964, I think. Yeah, might be going back to university days. Uh, West Coast have Essendon. This one's at the Gabba. Um, I don't know why I've gone Essendon there, but uh, <laughs> I'll I'll, uh, I'll be backing in the Eagles uh, here, guys. I think yeah to respond. Uh, Obviously, going down to Richmond, Essendon, they will give him a red-hot crack, that's for sure. It'll be a tough game. And, you know, if it was at, if it was over at West Coast, it'd be a pretty easy tip, but easier than what I'm doing now. <laughs> Eagles for me. Yeah, Eagles for me, but wouldn't be surprised to see Essendon win. You know, Eagles are now 100% pretty much losing... Uh, ratio and since they've been in the hub and you know they've the first game out of west coast and they've lost so it'd be interesting to see Essendon beat a wounded west coast but west yeah, coast it's, a, it's a really good point because yeah i guess it depends if, if kennedy 
is able, is able to come back fit and firing, which you'd think he probably would. No, he's out. He's definitely out. Oh, um, he's definitely brought, out. Yeah, they've brought back Draper, Essendon. Um, I did have the teams, but I've lost them now. But yeah, okay, Ken- well, Kennedy I might, was out. I might actually go for the Bombers then. I mm. think that they can pull off an upset. <laughs> if if the right. Eagles are just in the middle of the Gabba, I don't think it's Whoops. they don't have the fans oh, or their and, advantage there. Well, the ins for Essendon, sorry, Chuka, Draper, Michael Hurley and Dyson Heppel. Yeah, I'll go Bombers. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. I'll lock it in. <laughs> He's locked it in. Tell you what, we'll be barracking half for the yeah, Bombers. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, go the Bombs. That would, be, <laughs> that would be something. Richmond have Fremantle. This one's at Metricon, and it's hard to go past the Tigers. They're the team to beat. Um, their pressure's really good, and I think their forward line will be too good for the Freo's defence. Yeah, I agree. I think Richmond for sure. Yep, Tigers for me. Uh, let me just check. What are Fremantle's ins? Nah, I'm just kidding. I'll go for the <laughs> Tigers. Pavlich, Tigers Hayden Ballantyne, yeah. Aaron Sandilands. <laughs> yeah, uh, some good ins there, Langs. Might go to the Dockers on that occasion. Sydney have Melbourne, and this one's at Kazali. Up there, Kazali. Um, I'll be going Melbourne on this occasion. They've been pretty decent, four out of five. And Sydney will take it up till now. It'll be a close game. I shall also tip the Ds. Yeah, Swans have been disappointing the last couple of weeks after a really promising season. So, Demons for me and gone back and they're looking the goods. Yeah, uh, Demons as well, I'd go for. Sounds very good, Chook. GWS have Carlton. This one's at Metricon. And, well, Carlton season's over, so they could throw the towel in. Uh, the Giants, yeah, they're obviously a pretty good side. Tough to beat at times. Don't think, don't think Carlton quite have the... Uh, Firepower? Utensils. <laughs> the utensils. To get the win. <laughs> yes, you're very right there. They bounce back and I have a bit more confidence in the Giants. Yeah, Giants for me who are looking revitalised. Yeah, it would have been a few years ago. This would have been the, the Giants versus the Giants reserves wow. back when Carton were claiming <laughs> every single Giants player they could get their hands on. Um, but yeah, I think the Giants, they're, they're back in form and hopefully they'd probably get out. Oh no! Thanks, Chuck. Chucky D's just dial-ups struggling. So, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, we move on to the final game of the round. This one's Brisbane and Collingwood. This one's at the Gabba. A bit of uh, history for this one. I, I would definitely have to verify, but let's pretend it is real for a moment. I believe the last time Brisbane beat Collingwood at the Gabba was 2010. Correct. That is correct. Yeah, I heard it on the radio today. Yeah. Cool. That's yeah, Favola. Oh, mate, I'll, I'll just, I'll just somehow knew it. Memory, Memory yeah. No. Favola, I think, was played really well. And I think 2008, they also won as well, Brisbane. So they mm. do not win very often at the Gabba when they play the Pies. But I'm tipping Brisbane anyway, <laughs> after all that, uh, to win. Yeah, they're pretty good at home. Pies still got a bit of work to do. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah, we'll be breaking a fair old hoodoo, wouldn't it? But I think the Lions as well. I think they're just... They're a quality side now and, and probably earlier in the season, this would have been one of the matches of the year, but it'll be a big game still, but much more confident in the Lions to perform. Yeah, I'm really hoping this is the game that Brisbane fix their goal-kicking woes and kick like 16-2 instead of it being yeah. in a final against Geelong and then they get poor again. So Brisbane for me. Oh, Dan Beams <laughs> Cup. I might be. Oh, teams I might actually. I might be going for the pies. I reckon actually. Just I think mm, you know a bit of, showed a bit of force um, and are kicking more accurate than the Lions are. So 
Mm. Yeah, they go. Did the stats sort of sway your decision at all? What stats? <laughs> <laughs> He's just using his coin flipping app. Remember, Tiz. <laughs> Yeah, I asked, I asked you to, uh, you know, just let the fans on, on the YouTube just uh, what that coin flicking app was, but that's okay. It's not a real thing, mate. It's not real. That. So um, <laughs> yeah. that pretty uh, much does us for this week, boys. Thank you again for joining me. We had a good uh, discussion topic and some interesting tips. It will be interesting to see what prize we end up giving one another or, you know, myself or Shorty for winning the tips at the end of the year. As always, if you do have any comments on Facebook or Twitter, if you are listening anywhere, please make sure to comment your tips or you know who you think is an, a player that was unlucky not to win a flag or uh, what you think of the uh, AFL's non-goal review camera decisions. Uh, the remonstrations for that would be <laughs> for the rest of the season. I'd, uh, I'd, sorry, I'd personally like to see, I'm not sure about a prize, but I'd like to see the loser do the show in a mankini. Um, so well, seeing as this is a podcast yeah. that can be organized. <laughs> it's a podcast, right? All of it's us for my own benefit, Jake. It's for my own benefit. Says that when he's right on top and anyway. he's no chance to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I would have wanted to perform better. <laughs> Put Boys, these, thank uh, you again for joining me this week. Happy thank to you, be mate. here, thank mate. You, Thanks, Jake. Thanks very much. Very You're here good. for us next week. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you follow us on the socials so you don't miss any content. AFL Unlimited, because footy is limitless.